what psychological safety is, it's a belief. And it's a belief held by every individual about to what extent they feel like they can speak up, say what's on their mind, express concerns, even admit mistakes in a team setting without the fear of reprimand or without the fear of some sort of social consequence. Or maybe we don't want to speak up because we don't want to seem like we're just oppositional to the status quo. Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Stefan Wiedner is a certified psychological safety coach and 16 years ago founded Numi.com, now the web's largest network of professional coaches with thousands of coaches in hundreds of cities across North America and internationally, including Australia. Stefan also founded Zarango.com, a flight simulator for business interpersonal skills where leaders practice responding to challenging team scenarios. Stefan's coaching measures what is most important for team effectiveness, psychological safety, and that's our topic for today's discussion. From Vancouver, Canada, it is my delight to welcome Stefan Wiedner. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Nina. It's oh, it's a, a real pleasure. pleasure. And psychological safety is definitely an interest of mine, and it's so important for good culture, positive workplace culture. And of course, uh, not every listener to this pop- podcast is is familiar with psychological safety. So you are one of the world experts from Vancouver, Canada. Welcome, Stephanie. So, so tell us how you how you got involved in um, just that whole area of psychological safety, which is sort of uh, percolating in the background these days. Is people are becoming more and more aware of it? Yeah, it's definitely becoming a little bit more mainstream, if you will. Uh, I, I think there's still I regularly still meet people who don't know what it is; they haven't heard of it. Uh, how I came across psychological safety is through our work doing coaching. So we've uh, we've been in the coaching industry for, gosh, 15 plus years and uh, doing lots of coaching all around the world. And what I started to notice is that with all of the coaching engagements that we are doing, by and large, every single manager or leader that was participating in coaching wanted to somehow improve their teamwork. So either they wanted to prove their executive presence when they're in the board, uh, for example, or an executive setting, or they wanted to improve their ability to delegate and uh, ultimately get more performance out of their team members. Well, when you look at all of those folks, I thought retrospectively, after having learned about this concept of psychological safety, that Jeepers, all of these people were just trying to improve psychological safety in their team, whether or not it was explicitly stated. And it seemed like such a great way to measure the impact of coaching because coaching is a it's a valuable service, but it's also costly, right? Especially when you're doing one-on-one coaching, right? You're spending a good amount of money for one leader and you want to be able to demonstrate within your organization that, hey, we've got a good ROI here. And so 
one way to measure ROI is by measuring the psychological safety of that leader's team, both before and after the coaching, right? Then you can start to see, okay, well, did did the psychological safety improve? And psychological safety is linked to high performance. We know that high performance teams have high degrees of psychological safety and low performance teams have low degrees of psychological safety. And of course, we're going to come up with a definition of psychological safety, but I thought we might start with the story around Google's project, Aristotle, because that was what got me started. I read about, I know Google is data-driven, and I read about Project Aristotle. I went, what is this? And then it opened up a whole world. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, I think it starts with the question. Google asked the right question, which is, what makes an effective team? And being the data-driven type organization that they are, they went around uh, their their campus, if you will, right? Uh, they went around to all the different executives and managers, people at different levels, and they asked them, what makes an effective team? And through that dialogue, they came up with 250 potential factors. So, you know, age, gender, ethnicity, size of team, age, you know, you name it. There's all kinds of different factors. And so then they... Doing again, being the data-driven company that they are, they took 180 teams and they ranked them all. And they said, okay, here are our best teams and here are our worst teams. And of course, this is all relative to Google. So a bad team on Google still has A players, right? They're, they're still amazing, uh, likely top students out of whatever college they came out of and, and great workers. And yet they didn't necessarily have great performance. And so uh, when they ran all these 250 factors against the ranking that they had created for these 180 teams, nothing correlated. And so they they had to go to the academic research. And from the academic research, they uncovered Amy Edmondson's work around psychological safety. They applied psychological safety to their data set. And lo and behold, that produced a correlating factor. So uh, it was the number one factor correlating with high performance. And uh, then they identified four other factors. The other four are uh, dependability, clarity, meaning, and purpose. So on the team, does everyone feel like we can depend on one another? Number three was, so that's number two. Number three was uh, clarity. So does the team feel like we have clear goals? Do we know how we fit in with the bigger purpose, et cetera? Uh, the fourth was meaning and purpose. So do all of the individual contributors feel like their work is meaningful? And does it feel like their work is purposeful? And the belief is that those other four factors um, are really only possible if psychological safety is also there. And so, so psychological I, safety is kind of the gateway to those other factors. Exactly. And Professor Amy Edmondson names two qualities, I believe, that to define psychological safety. So what? Uh, how does Professor Emerson define psychological safety? And then perhaps you have uh, uh, your own perspective on it. Sure. So what psychological safety is, it's a belief. And it's a belief held by every individual about to what extent they feel like they can speak up, say what's on their mind, express concerns, even admit mistakes in a team setting without the fear of reprimand or without the fear of some sort of social consequence. So an obvious social consequence would be you're fired. You just spoke up and you're fired. Well, 
That's true. That is possible. I think that's far less prevalent than, uh, well, hopefully it's not as prevalent as as all of the other fears that we have around just looking stupid or, right? We don't want to ask a question because then we get perceived as not being knowledgeable enough or or maybe we don't want to speak up because we don't want to seem like we're just oppositional to the status quo, that kind of thing. These are these little tiny uh, considerations that we're all having all the time when we're communicating. And so that's her definition of psychological safety. I like to use uh, uh, perhaps a little bit more actionable one, maybe. Uh, and and our definition is that psychological safety is an environment where everyone has, A, the courage to speak up, which is very much part of Amy Amundsen's definition. And the second part is a belief, the confidence that when they speak up, what they say will be tended to. So it's the courage to speak up and the confidence to know you'll be heard. Because, so those are the two halves. And and of course, it, uh, it takes assertiveness to speak up. But if you don't, if you don't say what's on your mind, then what you've got happening is uh, uh, artificial harmony. And that's not a good thing. I mean, that can lead no. to wrong decisions being made. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the reason why we came up with that second half of our definition, because just calling it like a speak up culture didn't seem to fit because at the time we were looking, it was the beginning of the pandemic and we were looking at uh, the all the protesting that was happening in the world, right? The Black Lives Matter, et cetera. And we realized, boy, those folks have the courage to speak up, but something's missing. What's missing? And the, the what was missing is even though they were speaking up, they didn't have the confidence that they were going to be heard or appreciated or understood, oh, right? So we really think those yeah. are the two halves that are necessary. Yes, that they will be listened to, they will be heard. It's Look, because it's very easy to dismiss someone, even though you let them speak, you can dismiss them with a negative or a sarcastic or a, or a trivial, trivializing comment. So these are all the subtle uh, qualities that Professor Emerson and yourself would actually name as lacking in psychological safety, you know, the right. making judgments that that are so subtle that it kind of, well, it doesn't help people shine their light. In fact, it helps them dial it down. And you want mm-hmm. to bring your authentic self to work. Isn't that right? I totally agree. I mean, for me, uh, why am I doing this work? I'm doing this work because for me, the enemy is apathy, right? If you don't feel like you have a voice at work, what happens? It's like you go from leaning forward to sitting, leaning back. It doesn't mean you're going to quit. It doesn't mean you're going to run away, right? Because it doesn't, uh, you know, not feeling like you have a voice or that your voice doesn't matter. I, I think that's true for so many people. And I think what it, the missed opportunity is for people to be able to really lean into their work and feel like, I'm giving my best and I'm doing great work to solve great, like big problems. Mm. Now, there's two perspectives to this and we've got lots of listeners and I'm sure some of them are people managers and some are individual contributors. So I don't know which one you want to deal with first, but how does, it's either how does a manager, we're in a group meeting, how does a manager cultivate psychological safety and name what it what it is not so that uh it becomes this is the way we do things around here Mm. 
uh, I'll, I'll, uh, so what's the second question well, for the, the well, individual or if contributor? You're an individual contributor <laughs> and the manager's letting it happen and you go like even if you're observing how one other person is being sort of trivialized it's like can you speak up even on their behalf and say look shouldn't we be giving uh you know, Jamie, a, um, shouldn't we be giving them uh, a little bit of a better hearing? I mean, it takes courage, as you said, said earlier, to name it and what's a way to do it that people will will hear and change their behaviour. Yeah, well, I think one of the clutch key components that you mentioned earlier with the manager is how do you, what what do you do and say so that it becomes habitual or or I, I don't think you said it exactly like that but the, the way we the do word, things around here yeah that's what it was that's what it was thank you so this is just the way we do things around here and what I love about that is it's pointing to habits and how teams develop norms yeah I think everybody can relate to stepping into a new job in a new environment and we put up our social antenna going okay how are things done around here Right. Uh, if I have a problem, who do I talk to? How do I? You know, can I email them? Can I just call them? Like how? How? Right. We're we're asking these questions to know how do we fit in to the group norms that have already been established. And psychological safety is very much a group norm. Yeah. So if, for example, you're someone who speaks up regularly, and then you get into this new environment, and someone's like elbowing you on the <laughs> in the shoulder, saying, "Dude, you maybe you maybe want to tone it down." Like. We don't openly talk about these types of subjects around here, right? Like you might get that kind of feedback, right? And so we need to establish explicitly what our group and team norms are. So I think that's the first thing you want to be thinking about, especially as a manager. Like, how do we do things around here on a regular basis? And what you want to foster is psychological safety. So one of the ways that we want that to happen is consider how in meetings, um, you want to give people roughly equal amounts of airtime, right? How do you facilitate contributions from those who are a little bit more shy, a little more hesitant, a little more reluctant to offer their opinions, especially if, for example, they're new to the team and maybe don't feel quite as confident about their contributions versus someone who's been around forever and seems to always fill up the space. And that's right. And the fast talkers can tend to dominate and there has to be some opportunity created for okay well we haven't heard from a few people over here let's uh let's let's go what let's go around the room I mean how do you do it well and and I love that you're asking that question because the way you solve that problem is you ask your team so we generate one of the skills that we really train people in especially managers is the skill of what we call reflecting process So what is reflecting process? Reflecting process is basically shining a light on what's happening on the playing field. So if you consider your team is on the field playing a game, you need to kind of take yourself out of the team. So you stop talking about the conversation or the the dialogue that's in the team, but instead put yourself up in the stands and reflect back what you're seeing. And kind of, for example, you might say, hey, folks, I'm noticing that Nancy and Jim when I ask a question, they're always going to hop in and they're always going to give an answer and they're articulate and they're persuasive. And what I'm noticing is that, uh, you know, these couple folks over here are a little less um, eager or maybe a little more reluctant to speak up. So how might we just balance the voices in the room here so that everybody gets roughly equal contributions, right? You see, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to have the answer. 
all I all I'm advocating is that you as the manager reflect back what you're noticing and put it out to the team. How might we solve this? How might, might we do this differently? Can you measure psychological safety? Is it measurable? Well, yes, of course. I mean, that was my first real uh, excitement about the concept at all is the fact that it could be measured. And Amy Emmonson that you mentioned, Dr. Uh, Professor Amy Emmonson, she developed an assessment assessment that's robustly tested and validated. And, and uh, it's so easy to administer. It's seven questions. It takes all of right. three minutes to so, um, uh, have each individual we put in the show assess- notes a link to that? Is, do you have that as a, as a link or? Yeah, well, I can even, I can up, up that even just a little bit. What I'd love to do, Nina, is offer to your listeners the opportunity to measure their psych- their team's yes. psychological safety. So whether they're the manager or the individual contributor, part of that team, uh, I would be happy to do that for them for free. It's my gift to listeners here. Wow. As I said, it's very it's a very quick instrument that we can in, right. we can um, administer very easily. So I have a URL if you don't if yes, you want so me to share it. I think uh, yeah. it's Zarango. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So Zarango.com forward slash free PSI. So all one now, word free we, PSI. We want to spell that. So you spell it yeah. your way and I'll spell it our way. <laughs> Okay, so Zarango.com, Z-A-R-A-N-G-O.com forward slash free, the word free, P-S-I. P-S-I stands for Psychological Safety Index, P-S-I. All right. And uh, in Australia and perhaps other countries in the Commonwealth, perhaps India, I'm not sure. We've got listeners from Africa and India and Poland and Netherlands. But in Australia, it's Z-A-R-A-N-G-O. Well, it is in Canada as well. <laughs> yeah. com forward slash free PSI. Um, I, I'm modifying my language for typically a, a more American audience. So they yeah, don't that's say right. Well, we've got a lot right? of they North American Z. listeners. And we'll definitely put it uh, at the top of the show notes so it's easy to find. That's great. That's yeah. very, very uh, generous of you to offer that free psychological assessment. So that's fantastic. So, um, and tell us more about your own research, Stefan. Yeah, so we're currently in the midst of um, collecting data on a research project that we started about a year ago. Research takes a long time <laughs> just to get it approved by the ethics board and all that. Um, so what it is, is we are uh, correlating interpersonal skills with psychological safety. So our hypothesis is that the best managers who have the best interpersonal skills will also naturally foster more psychological safety in their team. And the core interpersonal skills that our assessment that we've developed are measuring are effectively two things. Even though we're measuring eight things, we're real I we think the core of them are two. First is empathy. So the ability to just perceive other people's points of view. And the second one is what we call interpersonal responsiveness, which is the ability to move toward in a graceful way, potential ruptures, potential conflict. So, uh, uh, you know, if we could bifurcate between good managers and bad managers, good managers are those who can approach conflict and 
quote unquote bad managers are those who will sweep it under the rug or uh or create it i guess create yes. conflict fear, fear <laughs> of conflict they'll 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 sweep <laughs> it under the rug and that leads to uh artificial harmony it leads to problems where people are not speaking their truth not bringing their authentic selves to, uh, to work and as you expressed before stefan people won't bring their discretionary effort to tasks if they're holding back and going well i'll just keep the seat warm <laughs> Yeah. I'll just yeah. do the minimum. I, I like the term artificial harmony. That's really good. I, I generally refer because often people will ask me, well, what's characteristic of low psychological safety? And you might think, oh, well, it's clearly when people are, you know, ready to throttle each other. But that's not it. I'd say what's more characteristic of low psychological safety is is that false harmony or what I like to call politeness. You know, it's where yeah. Oh yeah, how's it going? Good. Yeah, life's good. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll do that. No problem. Right? They're not saying there's a gap between what they're saying and what they're thinking because what they're thinking is this is the stupidest project ever. I don't know why I'm doing this again. This is the worst biggest waste of my time, but whatever, I'll do it. It's Patrick Lencioni that uh, talks about uh artificial harmony and fear of conflict and another three uh, problems uh, of la uh, lack of cohesiveness in teams. So he's, he's another one whose work I've been following. Uh, very interesting stuff. He he wrote the five dysfunctions of a team. That's right. <laughs> one of my yeah. Books. <laughs> yeah. That's a and good so, read for sure. Yeah. And lack of psychological safety is definitely <laughs> a dysfunction, but it's see, I think a lot of, a lot of the um, spotlight goes on bullying, workplace bullying and discrimination and this is more subtle than that isn't it isn't that right i i think you're right yeah like bullying is or harassment is clearly an issue where okay we have a problem here mm. whereas uh, the average organization or group or team that is struggling with psychological safety there might not be any such noticeable behaviors as we've already pointed out instead there's a pervasive sense of politeness right of of not wanting to speak up in a hurtful way yes. and and in fact I, I we have many accounts of managers uh even though they have an outsized influence on psychological safety often feeling the lowest level of psychological safety in their team because they feel particularly concerned that what they say will be held against them or will be misinterpreted and so they're feeling like gosh i need to be on eggshells here because if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to be vilified for it. Yes, you see, this is it. It's not always the manager being the the uh, perpetrator. Sometimes the team, there are members of the team that are abrasive and they're just not allowing the manager to to shine for whatever reason. Maybe, well, what, 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 what pr quality prevents people from actually playing the conversational equality game and and being willing to share the light with others hmm. well i think one of the virtues if you will that we want to promote among leaders and managers is is ultimately curiosity and humility i think those are the two keys and those come up all the time when you start talking about leadership right so first is curiosity you need to be willing to go hmm i wonder what other people's what other people's perspectives are on this particular topic and be able to ask the question and not just draw conclusions based on 
uh, one or two sentences, maybe dig a little deeper and, and really try to understand other people's perspectives. So that's curiosity. And then the second one is humility or or maybe a sense of vulnerability, because as a leader, I think you need to demonstrate to people, look, I don't have all the answers and be willing to say, like I gave that example of stepping outside of the team and saying, hey, I'm noticing that some people are speaking up more than others. And I'd love to hear kind of equally from everyone. So what might we do differently here? Right. Uh, I think often as leaders, especially new managers or new leaders, we think, gosh, we need to have all the all the answers here. So I can't ask the team what they think. I need to solve whatever problem I perceive. And if I see a problem, which is unequal contributions from everybody, well, now I'm just going to impose some sort of rule to help solve that problem. But that might not be the best solution. Yeah. So so it's having that the humility of the truly great. (laughs) where you don't see yourself as the font of all knowledge, that you don't have to go in with the answers. You can go in with the question and allow the team. And in fact, what you then can do when you're the manager is go, you can actually sort of put your weight or your opinion on the idea that you might have put up as, as the answer, but you've held back and allowed the team to come up with solutions. So it's, it's a good manager would actually let the team act as if it was their idea. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and when it's their own idea, guess how they're going to execute on that idea? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they can't wait to right? see it succeed. Right. <laughs> With full vigor. They're all in. <laughs> oh, that's uh, great. So how do you lead an intervention in teams? You might get somebody who's doing, um, takes advantage of your offer to uh, do a psychological assessment and they might have a team they could be a ceo or a senior manager how would you then lead an intervention uh in their team if you identified that uh there were some issues yeah well the first thing we would do is is look at the results from the assessment and then we would debrief those results right. with the team with the team the whole with team the team you yes have facilitate yeah facilitate a dialogue about what the results say and the results that we would demonstrate or show to the team uh, basically include two critical numbers or values. The first is what the absolute value of psychological safety is on a scale of one to a hundred. And so are you a 70 out of a hundred or 40 out of a hundred or 92 out of a hundred? And the next is the range. So we provide a one degree of a standard one uh, standard deviation range so that if, for example, the score, let's say the psychological safety is assessed as a 75 out of 100, and we have 10 people on the team and everybody rates it a 75 out of 100, well, the average is 75 out of 100 and the range is zero. Whereas yeah. if you have five people rating it a 100 and five people rating at a 50, you still have an average of 75, but we have a totally different story because now our range is much larger and you have some people who think psychological safety is really high and some people who think it's really relatively low. And so there's less agreement on the team. And so then we would want to have a, we would facilitate a dialogue around that. We're not divulging how any individual rated psychological safety, because that would be a breach of their confidentiality. But what we can say is, look, we have a high range here, meaning on this team, we have people that don't always agree. 
And so uh, let's talk about that. And we facilitate a, a one to two hour conversation. And usually within that debrief, there's all sorts of new insights for how we might move forward. Because the focus of the conversation at first is just how did we get to where we are today with these results? And then, of course, we move to a future oriented conversation, which is what could we do in the future? And then once we start to map out some some ideas for what the future might look like, now we turn it turn it into uh, a, a number of potential offers that we can provide. So either one-on-one coaching for a number of managers or maybe team coaching, or maybe we realize, gosh, we really need to do some some workshopping around concepts A, B, C, and D. And so we'll roll those out over six months, 12 months, whatever kind of the appetite is for the work. Mm. And, and all the probably- while, and uh, just to add one last comment, sorry, Nina, all the while, we would measure psychological safety roughly every two to three months so that we can kind of keep a pulse on it to see how is this team doing with respect to psychological safety. And of course, oh, great. And and of course, now that we're sort of returning to the office, um, do you have a team that can actually uh, fly all over North America and maybe even beyond? Or or is it mostly done uh, online over, over Zoom or Teams or? Yeah, well, most of our work almost exclusively has been done virtually. So right. we've been, yeah, so that's, you know, that's really helped us because no we don't have <laughs> that. That's right. And what we found is over time, uh, teams will want or yearn for for the coach to come in for, say, a, a day of uh workshopping or often what we'll try to do is work with the team around their regular quarterly planning sessions. So a senior leadership team, right? We'll meet generally every quarter to go through planning and we will be the first, we'll kick it off. So if there's, let's say two days, we'll kick off the first half day and focus on psychological safety because that just sort of sets the stage for open dialogue, especially around strategy and planning, right? You need to have contributions from everybody. It's so critical at that point in time. So we set the stage and then then the team can go on and talk more in depth about whatever, you know, business matters are relevant to them. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I just have one final question before we <laughs> before we finish. And it's something that I've observed, which is, look, some managers only have group meetings and I've picked up that the the necessity of having one-on-one meetings that enables people especially the quiet ones they may not say what they think in front of everybody else but maybe they will in a one-on-one and I'm not talking about the annual performance appraisal at all I'm talking about regular at least monthly maybe more often 20 minute whether it's over a coffee or whether it's just a, a sit down and chat, a one-on-one conversation. Is that something that you've found is important or it it's not really something that you've measured with relation to psychological safety? Well, I, I it's a good question. Have I measured it? I haven't measured that uh, specifically, but anecdotally, it I think there's decent evidence there to suggest that 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 is valuable because people are more likely to share. They're more likely to be open if there is a repeated pattern of behavior there where you're demonstrating that you are curious, 
and you're open to hearing their point of view, right? Yeah. And so if you're willing to ask them, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, how was your daughter's wedding? Or, you know, how was the birthday party? Little things like that. It's what does that signal to the other person? That you're it signals interested that, in them. Yeah, you're interested in them. And you remember. And you remember right. the important milestones in their life. And people, That's right. uh, people count that as quite important. Stefan, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. And uh, d- people can definitely work with you through the uh, link in the show notes and the one we mentioned earlier. They can get their audit done, which is fantastic. Thanks for offering that. And, uh, well, I just wish you all the best. What's what's coming up in the future for uh, for Zarango, for yourself? And yeah. And the, uh, the big coaching uh, site, Numi. How do you spell yeah. that? N-O-O-M-I-I. So two O's and two I's. <laughs> Everything's in Paris when it comes to coaching. That's one yeah, way that's to think great, about it. That's a great web, yeah. website names there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the 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 big thing that I'm focusing on is we have a another company called Skillsetter. So skillsetter.com. And Skillsetter, what's so exciting about what we're doing there is all the developments and enhancements in artificial intelligence. So what does skill skill setter is all about helping individuals practice interpersonal skills. And with the advancement of artificial intelligence, we are going to be able to provide people with much better feedback very soon, much sooner than we had originally anticipated. Um, to, so that right now, our system, even though it's a technology platform for practicing interpersonal skills, think of it kind of like a flight simulator, right? Like a flight simulator is a safe environment to fly an airplane going through inclement weather. Well, it's similar in that uh, skill setter we use we have clips that simulate challenging moments in a team and you need to respond and it's totally safe because these aren't you know it's even though they're real humans in the videos they're not um you know <laughs> it's pre-recorded I saw so this site and it looks absolutely <laughs> fascinating and i really encourage everybody to go to skillsetter.com so it's it's s-k-i-l-l-s-e-t-t-e-r correct oh, correct it's worth and <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And so what we're doing there is just we're going to use technology to help humans be better humans. That's ultimately what we want to do. <laughs> Stefan, you are a human helping the whole world be better humans. You are a shining light. It's been a real honor speaking with you today. Thank you for your time. It's been wonderful. It's an honor, Nina. Thank you for having me. This episode, we've been speaking with Stefan Weidner on the Manage Self Lead Others podcast for people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. And if you like the podcast, go tell a friend. Uh, Many listeners I meet say they found it because someone sent them the link telling them it's a good show to listen to. Remember to subscribe so you catch the next episode and we have conversations with people who share insights on how to elevate and transform team culture. Connect with me on LinkedIn Thank you for listening. Until next time, bye for now. Nina Sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.